Right, here we go. Episode three of um, Muslim Pride, the podcast that looks to talk about uh, what it means to be a Muslim today. Um, so today I've got a very special guest. I've got Haseeb Ahmed. Um, and Haseeb describes himself as an activist and a campaigner. So I'll leave it to Haseeb to um, introduce himself. Hi, good evening. Um, thanks, for the, thanks for the introduction there. Uh, right, so we Haseeb, I guess, would be best known um, as the man from the video talking about terrorism just after the Tunisia attacks. Um, and just talk to me about how that came about, Haseeb. So you, you did a video um, outside a petrol station and it got taken up by the global media. Yeah, so it was, um, it, it was just uh, a video that I made in reaction to the Tunisia attacks. Um, it, was, it was never meant to be anything special it was it was just it just came out of frustration to be honest with you so you know I, I was saying I was saying my car at a petrol station and um, I was scrolling through Facebook and, and social media and there was there's quite a lot of negative uh, comments some I'd say were very Islamophobic as well and um, it just got me really frustrated you know the same questions why aren't Muslims condemning terrorism Muslims never condemn terrorism um, if you're, you know, if you never, if you don't condemn it, then you're silently condoning it, and it was all just kind of stuff, um, to the point where I literally just got my phone out, I pressed record, and I made a minute and a half video, um, you know, and then uh, I shared it with my friends on Facebook, and then, um, you know, it got more and more traction as time went on, and, you know, within three days, I think it hit two million views and then oh, wow. uni unilab decided to share it and then i think it's on about five million views now so you know even now i still get notifications from the video and and that was well over six months ago um i mean that's that's how it all started so that's that's quite interesting so people were saying muslims need to um con condemn terrorism um and say that this is not a good thing uh, and that riles you so much that you actually did you started condemning it and and you were vocal about it and why do you think people say muslims should condemn terrorism what do you think it is um that triggers people to say that i, I think it's i think it's frustration from from non-muslims as well uh, i think um they don't have or they don't see muslims in the media who are normal guys like me or you, for example, um, and the vast majority of Muslims living in this country, um, they see instead of people like us on 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 the, t on the TV or on the radio, they hear people like Anjum Chowdhury, um, and and that's the representation that Muslims have at the moment, and which is completely you know unrepresentative of of what the the mass population of Muslims in the in the UK actually think like. So when non-Muslims see someone like Anjum Chowdhury, who is actively preaching hate, then, then, then they would naturally assume that every Muslim thinks like that. Um, you know, so I think it's frustration. I, I do think more Muslims need to be coming out and condemning terrorism, uh, not because we have to and not because we should, but you know, even Islamically, if you know, we we have a duty to to protect our religion, and you know. That's one of the reasons why I, I did what I did. Um, I'm fed up of having my religion tarnished as a terrorist uh, religion, a terrorist cult, because it's not. Um, yeah. You know, and and uh, you know, I just want more people to realise that actually, it's not Islam that's the problem. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a handful, a minority of people. Uh, I won't say a handful, but it's, it's a minority of people who misinterpret what our religion actually stands for. So that's an interesting point that you make around um, it's a handful of people and it's not 
actually Islam. Now, could you say, I mean, you can interpret a text however you like, and some people are interpreting it in a certain way. Now, what's to say they're not right? And the reason why I'm asking you that is some of the feedback I've had from previous podcasts is, well, of course, we would say that we're Muslim. So we've been brought up in a certain way. And mm-hmm. that conditioning is harder than unconditioned. But you know, may, maybe these people have got a point. Maybe these terrorists are actually acting in the name of, in inverted commas, Islam, and uh, you know they are they are the right ones in this. Um, I mean, th- th- you could argue that that they do that they are right because obviously, you know, there are more terrorists coming from the religion of Islam than any other religion in the modern day. That's one argument. What I would say is these people actually make up less than 1% of the 1.7 billion Muslims in the world who actually live peacefully and who interpret Islam in the way that I think should be interpreted. And that's in a peaceful, you know, nice, solemn way. Um, you know, if you, like I said, it's less than a percentage of, of, of the 1.7 billion Muslims around the world. So that would be my argument as to suggest why they're not actually right. And, you know, what they're doing is completely un-Islamic. Right. And and so um, lately you have written another article for the Daily Express um, where you've looked at a, the, the new version of Jihadi John. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he has a nice alliterative name like Jihadi John. <laughs> um, but you, and you've analysed that. So how do you analyse that? What goes through your mind when you see these videos? Well, I'll, I'll, watch, the, I'll watch a video the first time around um, as a casual just to see what the content is. Um, and then I'll watch it two or three times again. I'll see, I'll try and pick up on things which are a little bit more subtle. Um, you know, the background, the music, uh, the editing, the, you know, the lighting, um, just these different kind of things just to kind of get a feel for why the video was made, what's included, why was it included. Um, I'll just give you a little example. I mean, the, the, there's, a, there's a little child at the end of the video. Um, you know, for, for anyone else watching, that's probably just, you know, a coincidence. Um, but for me, it was more of the fact that it's a symbol. Um, and the reason why the child is actually in the video is because ISIS are trying to portray to the rest of the world that this is a long-term issue. These guys are going to be around for the long term. There's a generation waiting to grow up and and come after these guys. Um, so that's what I would do. I try and analyze everything and um, and then base, base an opinion, you know, after analyzing it. So that's interesting. There's a generation waiting to come. Um, and a lot of people say that we are breeding terrorists and there are more and more people who are following this. And I, I think uh, this is my personal view that people who don't fit into the mainstream of Islam could easily fall into that world. They become a bit jaded and it's hard to find their own path. Do, do you think it's a long term problem? Do you see that another generation following this one preaching in, in the same way as this one percent? I think we I think we run the risk of having an even worse generation um, than what we're facing at the moment. Reason I say that is because ISIS they weren't created overnight. You know, ISIS are the result of last generation's problems. But what I mean what I mean by that is, you know, there are several different factors that we need to we need to take in um, as to why ISIS were created, why terrorism is in the world. That you know, it's not just one thing, in my opinion. You've got foreign policy, which no matter how much the government may try and deny, people may try and deny, foreign policy is a factor. So Iraq, mm-hmm. Afghanistan, it it was a massive factor as to why ISIS ISIS have been created. 
it's no coincidence that ISIS are predominantly strong in Iraq and the surrounding areas. Now, as well as that, um, you know, Israel and Palestine, the issue there, it is a massive factor. And no matter how much people try and deny that is a cause of terrorism, um, you know, you, you're just putting your head in the sand. It is a massive issue that needs to be resolved. More and more Palestinians are being killed every single day, um, you know, illegally. The illegal occupation as well is uh, is completely ridiculous. It's been It's been going on for long enough. And the fact that you know, Palestine actually welcomed the uh, Israelis in the 40s and were, for, you know, were forced out of their homes. is is It's a crime against humanity. And, you know, as as, as human beings, we've actually failed Palestinians. Um, you know, it's really, really sad to see. Um, as well as that, there's an issue of education, which I think is the, is the key factor here. Um, you know, people are not being taught the right Islam. There's There's too many people who are being brainwashed who are being told that this is the right interpretation of islam um when it's actually not i also think there's not enough access points for people to you know who are growing up and who have questions about their beliefs mm -hmm. there's not enough people who are accessible to them you know if i have a question about my faith i have to go to google or i have to go to my local imam but if we look at the mosques and we look at the imams most of the mosques um, are actually run by communities, Pakistani communities, Bangladeshi communities, in their own separate towns. None of these guys are elected, and I think that's a massive issue. None of these guys are licensed. That's a massive issue. What I propose and what I have proposed to Downing Street, um, you know, in, in terms of a strategy for counterterrorism in the future is we need to start giving licenses to imams and anyone in authority uh, when it comes to religion. So that goes for priests as well, that goes for rabbis as well. All of these guys should be licensed. So if we're talking about Muslims in general, and just as an example, in my opinion, we should get the uh, Muslim Council of Britain to have their own criteria as to who can be licensed as an imam. And then every imam should have um, an assessment or something with the, with the Muslim Council of Britain and pass that and then have a license to be an imam in a mosque. That way, we can eradicate any kind of um, uh, any kind of uh, preaching which should not be happening, which you know a, a lot of mosques have been accused of um, in in the UK. Mm. So there's several different factors. Lack of identity as well. Identity yeah. crisis um, is a massive issue as well. I just want to I just want to stop on that point there around um, imams and imam training. Mm -hmm. So. Um, it just leads me to think, well, all of a sudden, if, it, if you have to have a qualification or a training to become imam, then maybe people will actually want to become imams yeah. rather than falling into it or mm -hmm. just by virtue of wanting to be the head of their community, become an imam, but aren't actually following a religious or pure form of Islam, you could say. Um, now, how do you do that? You've suggested that to Downing Street. What needs to happen for that to change? I think we need a massive restructure, to be honest with you. Now, there will be some people listening to this and they'll be they'll be falling off their seat and they'll be thinking, oh my God, how what's he saying? What's he doing? What you know, he wants to reform all of this. Look, at the end of the day, this is a restructure which I'm proposing, which I think needs to happen for the sake of our future generation. At the moment, there are far too many children who don't understand what's right and what's wrong within the Islamic context. There are far too many imams who don't speak English in England, mm -hmm. who cannot preach sermons in English. Yeah. Now, children in this country, 
you know, most of them don't speak their mother tongues, um, you know, properly anyway, whether that be Hindi, Urdu, Punjabi, whatever, they, you know, it's a second language to them. So when, you know, when I'm in a mosque as well, when I was growing up, if an imam was talking in English, my ears would start suddenly stick up and I'd, I'd listen to him. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. If it was, I had, I had exactly the same thing. I remember the same thing. You know, so for me, there, there are far too many imams who don't speak English in, in, in mosques who, you know, who, who like I said, who aren't trained and that, that, as knowledgeable as they may be, they won't get the point across to, to the younger kids because they just simply don't relate to them. Yeah. You know, I think when it comes to teaching as well, I mean, if you look at schools, um, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I learned better when I actually did something, when I did something proactive and, hmm. you know, like, a, you know, you do it yourself. Yeah, you, you learn know? by doing. Yeah, and you learn by, like, fun stuff, stories, that kind of stuff. Hmm. That doesn't happen in mosques. It doesn't happen in madrasas. It doesn't happen in, in, in you know, when you're, when you're learning about Islam. Yeah. And it needs to change. Because if we're, you know, there's so many things, so many beautiful stories in Islam, um, which which we don't tell our children because we're too busy listening to imams give a sermon, and most people are without, you know, with all due respect, are probably half asleep. They're on their phone, yeah. they're texting or whatever. Yeah. So here's here's an interesting um, theory: is that if we do that and we make Islam more appealing and accessible, it could so become that people become proud of being Islamic or proud of being a Muslim. Um, now, what is the difference between someone who's proud of being a Muslim in a purist sense, in a very well-educated way, and someone who's proud of being a Muslim as a terrorist and uses Islam in that sense? How how could someone tell the difference between those two people? Well, I think, the, you know, if you're proud to be a terrorist, then you need to have a look at yourself. And I think people around them need to, to, to tell them what they're doing is completely wrong. There's, all, you know, there's this, um, there's this argument in the UK where that, you know, the Muslim community never, you know, never grasses on its own, and we don't, you know, we don't report um, extremists to the police and and to the relative authorities. Right. Now, if I if I knew an extremist, hundred percent, I would report them. Yeah. Um, and I I would encourage any Muslim in the UK to do that, simply because it's the right thing to do. But then, how um, do how do you know someone's an extremist? I've I've never met the, one, so how do you know? This is the million dollar question. Um. How do you know? I think what you, you know, this is this is just my opinion, and it's not something that I'm saying is is fact by any means. But if somebody was telling, if if I was in a conversation with somebody and they were saying to me about America's foreign policy, Britain's foreign policy, and if they said something along the lines of, you know, of, you know, if I was in Syria or something, that automatically would ring alarm bells to me. If it, at any point they were to turn around and condone any kind of killing, for example, that would ring alarm bells for me. Um, but I suppose you've got to take it by case by case basis. I mean, there's not necessarily a textbook for terrorists. <laughs> you know, it's, you, you can't identify. There isn't a textbook for you know a dummies. Yeah, dummies, dummies guide book. to terrorism. Exactly, exactly. There isn't one. So you, you have to take it by case by case basis. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, if you know, if I ever was to come across somebody who I thought was an extremist, then 100% I would report them. And so you mentioned your trip to Downing Street and talking um, about the authorities kind of looking at Im imams. Tell me about that visit. What what was that like? It was pretty surreal, to be honest with you. I mean, um, this time last year, if somebody told me that I would be invited to go to Downing Street and, uh, you know, I would probably laugh at them. Um, but it was it was pretty surreal, very 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 special. Um, I went with my brother, and 
I went with a presentation, gave my uh, gave a, a counterterrorism strategy, mm -hmm. um, gave them a profile of the Let's Unite campaign, which I'm currently campaigning for, mm -hmm. um, and basically went through what you know what things need to happen in order to, for extremism to be um, severely cut down in the UK. Um, that there are a few things which um, which I think were you know were impressive. Um, I think a few things which the government probably hadn't thought of mm. um you know my main focus was mainly around education like i said um you know but there's there's things that need to happen which aren't in my control i mean you know foreign policy is is one of them you know education is something as well i mean at the moment it's just me in this let's unite campaign and mm. you know it's it's very difficult to to get something kicked on um and kicked off sorry when 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 it's when you when you're on your own and you have a full-time job and you know a lot's changed for me i mean i got married um oh congratulations you know, um uh, thank you very much got married a few uh, a few months back as well so it's mm. been a it's been a completely manic year for me but the downing street um trip was really good yeah. i've been i've been invited back i'll be going um next month again um for a follow-up meeting um you know in order to to hopefully reinforce some of the points that I made in, in terms of the counter-terrorism strategy and, and the Let's Unite campaign as well. So, so tell me about the Let's Unite campaign. I did a bit of searching around Twitter, so if anyone's listening, it's hashtag Let's Unite. Um, but tell, us, tell me about that. What, what is that? What's the th thinking behind it? So it basically, it, it basically stemmed from the original video that I did following the Tunisia attacks. So it's it's just a campaign which um, I've recently started, which is aimed at uniting people from all different faiths, all different backgrounds, um, you know, regardless of color, creed, background, um, just uniting everyone together against terrorism and against extremism. Um, you know, so this hopefully will encourage more and more Muslims to to come out and condemn terrorism. Hopefully, more and more non-Muslims who seem to think that nobody from the Muslim community condemns terrorism, they will actually see. Well, there's a Muslim guy behind it, and there's a lot of Muslims condemning terrorism as well with him. So, hopefully, it will change their minds as well and be a bit more be a bit more accepting um, of the Muslim community in the UK as well. So everything that I'm doing with this campaign is is all in order for people to unite and make this country a, a more safer place. Mm. Be but you know bring people of a Muslim background and non-Muslim backgrounds together because um, it's really important to me. I mean I, I was born and bred here and you know up until a few years ago I, I was kind. Of, I was fine. I mean, I never really noticed anything, and then you know things started to change, and yeah, it's something which, uh, you know, I, I, I'm one of those people which I think love beats hatred every single day of the week. So, if we can all unite together, we're much stronger as a society and a country. So, tell me about your upbringing. Like, what role did Islam play in your life um, as you grew up? Okay, so I mean, my mum and dad are, uh, you know, fairly fairly modern parents, but also very strict as well. Um, I was kind of a noisy kid, I, I suppose, when I was younger. Um, you know, I, I always I always fasted. Um, you know, I was always doing Ramadan and stuff. I always knew what my culture was. I always knew what my religion was. Um, very well brought up in that respect. Um, kind of went off the rails a bit when I went to uni. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've. Uh, I don't want to make any, you know, misinterpretations here. I was. I, I lived a very fun life. Um, you know, there's a f there's a few things which which I regret, but 
you know when you're when you're a teenager when you're at uni when you're living in britain you know i i, I live the life um i have no shame in saying that um <laughs> as you get older you know you seem to you know you, you change your you change your stance on things you change your change your views on things as well and you, you grow out of things yeah um but as a kid i mean i was i was very sporty i was very um very active um but like i said you know i I was just a normal kid, um, a normal Muslim kid. We used to go to the mosque, read the mas. Um, you know, either was great. I go back to Pakistan every now and again. You know, it was just a normal life for me. Um, yeah. You know, well, it's, is... it's so funny you say it's just it's just normal life. Like, yeah, I just went to Pakistan every now and then. Like as a British kid, off I go. Um, which <laughs> for me, it's for me, it's normal. Yeah, but I, I don't know what's normal these days. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think it's it's a good point, but it's also interesting um, to think about this fact that you went through a naughty phase, um, and there was a time where the naughty phase almost meant you weren't Muslim anymore, or you weren't the same kind of Muslim. So how do you? Um, how do you think about that now with a bit of age behind you? And maybe if, I was, if there's a teenager listening who's thinking, well, you know, should I have a cheeky cigarette or should I have a cheeky pint just to try it out? Um, mm. What, you know, what should they be thinking? How can they get through that? Because obviously in the West, it's, it's almost part of integrating into society. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, make, no, I make no apologies for what I've done um, in the past when I was growing up. Um, if anything, you know, I'm a firm believer of sometimes you have to make your own mistakes to learn, to truly learn from them. Mm. Um, if there is somebody listening out there who's a teenager and who is in that phase, then, you know, obviously I would never condemn, I'd, I'd never condone, you know, going against, you know, the teachings of Islam and, and that. But don't be scared if it if you do if you are doing it it's not the it's not the end of the world but just, you know there will be a time where you will learn to grow out of it mm-hmm. um, you know like I said drinking girls smoking doing all these things you know I, I want to be careful with what I say because I don't want to offend anyone here but you know we've all been through it but a lot of the people listening have been through it um, and it's not something that you should be proud of um, by any means but people make mistakes. People do things when they're growing up and it's all part of life at the mm. end of the day. Um, well, also, what I would add to that is, you know, it might not necessarily be a mistake. Like, it's all it's absolutely fine. It, it doesn't mm. make you any less of a Muslim. It might just be that you're more, you're, I guess, more integrated or you're just finding your own path. And that's the nice thing, I think, for Islam. Um, and I had someone, uh, I met someone, if she was like a, a Somalian cleaner who was in our house and she was, um, what a brag, what a honorable brag. <laughs> um, she was, she, she, I said, you know, what do you think about gay Muslims? And she said, I am not taught to judge. So a person can be gay and Muslim in the same, same thing, but a person can smoke and be a Muslim. A person can drink and be a Muslim. It's, mm. it's not one of the other. Or, or what do you think? Do you think I'm just harping on about a new, a new, no, norm? no, not at all. I mean, um, you know, after I actually, I actually wrote an article, um, well, no, I didn't write an article, somebody interviewed me actually, and this thing came about where I was talking, well, I'll come on to it later on, but basically uh, it was quite a controversial topic that I mentioned, mm. and a lot of Muslims came out and were pretty annoyed with with what they thought I'd said. One person even went as far as making a video and basically tried to smear me by saying, oh, he used to be a club promoter, he does this, he does that, whatever. Mm. Now, for me, one, the most important thing is you shouldn't ever judge somebody because they sin, because they sin differently from you. So I wouldn't ever judge anybody based on what they've done. 
Um, and I don't think anyone should judge me by what I've done or what they think I've done either. Mm. So, you know, that's the most important thing I think is don't, don't judge me because I sin differently from you. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you know, we all sin at the end of the day, we all do different things, everything from lying, backbiting, talking about someone when they shouldn't do, um, improve your thoughts, whatever. There's always something, you know, nobody is, nobody is a hundred percent bark. No one's a hundred percent clean. Do you know what mm, I mean? Mm. Um, we all have these things, which, you know, w which we say about. And, um, you know, I think, I, I don't think we are in a position to judge the only, the only person, well, you know, the only one that can judge is, is God himself. Mm. That's, that's hilarious though, because we're saying, well, if you smoke, I judge you and I'll be vocal about it and make a video about it because it's mm. un-Islamic. But if you go out and carry a gun and claim that in the, say, in the name of Islam, oh, I'm not going to talk up about that. I'm not going to speak up about that. It's... It says it says more about the person who made the video, to be honest with you. And if I'm completely honest with you, six months later, I've still not watched that video. I've just had a hundred people tell me about it. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's it's you know I've heard about it. It's not constructive for me to listen to it. I mean, there's nothing positive that's going to come out of it. You know, at the end of the day, it's only gonna it's only gonna make me feel a little bit angry. But you know, so be it. If that's if he, if he wants to try and make a video and piggyback off of my five million views by getting five thousand, then that's up to him. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's but, not anything to do with me. But why um, why not make a video that counters Jihadi John or the new Jihadi John that talks about that and says, you know, that's not Islam. I don't stand for that. I think that's where a groundswell will start, rather than saying, well, this guy. Well, anyway, you know, this guy uh, was a club promoter, therefore I should make a video. Interesting. But what I want to ask you now um, is. If you had to give one mus uh, one message to Muslims right now, what would it be? Edu educate yourself. Um, learn, learn about Islam and learn about you know, and help other people to learn as well. Up until all of this whole you know attention stuff started, from everything from the video going viral to the media. I had a very basic understanding and knowledge of Islam. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong; I'd read the Quran several times. Um, did Arabic. you Did you understand it? Not as well as I do now. Mm. Um, and I, I, I never even questioned it. I never even thought about it. This time last year, everything was very, you know, happy go Larry. Everything's fine. But I never really had, you know, I had a decent knowledge. I had a decent knowledge and understanding of Islam. But it's only since I've done started doing all these things where. I'm getting a lot of right-wing people questioning, well, what about this? What about that? What about this verse? What about this text? And, I, you know, I don't want to look stupid, so I've had to go and, and do my research on it. And what I found myself doing is I've got about four books downloaded on my phone. I've got several pieces of text on Islam in my house now, which I've gone actively gone out and got. Mm. And I'm reading through this, you know, where every day when I'm on the train to work now, I'm reading passages from the Quran and I'm reading passages from books which scholars have written about different topics, whether it's terrorism, whether about whether it's about women's rights in Islam, whether it's about, you know, whether it's about whatever. Mm. And you don't even notice that you're doing it because what you're trying to do is my, my whole thing is just trying to deliver a positive message about Islam. Mm. Right. So I'm having to do my research on it. And then when I'm reading it, it makes sense. And I'm becoming more and more knowledgeable um, about it. So when people are coming up to me with these, these arguments, I can, I can come back with something because it's, because it's in my brain and I'm, uh, and I've actually remembered it and I've actually learned about it. So yeah. The the end goal what I'm trying to achieve is 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 happening. I'm actually educating certain people. Yeah. So for you, the message is, if 
if you don't really know what's going on, educate yourself. That's the only way to have a a debate in the public realm, but also to feel better about yourself with your yeah, faith yeah. And, and with Islam. Um, 100%, 100%, yeah. Right, so I'm going to leave it there because we're approaching the half an hour. Um, but Haseeb, that's been really, really helpful. So if someone wants to find out more about you, um, what should they do? What action should they take on the internet? Um, so you can, you, the best way is probably on Twitter. So my, my Twitter handle is at Haseeb1986. So that's uh, Hotel Alpha Sierra Echo Echo Bravo 1986. You can try me on Facebook as well, Haseeb uh, Ahmed. Um, those are the two best best ways of getting me on online. Great. Okay. And keep an eye out for the Let's Unite campaign. Um, right. Well, Haseeb, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. No um, worries. Thank you very much for your time and having me on, Asa. No worries. And I'm sure we'll uh, hear from you very soon. Right. That was podcast number three. Uh, there'll be another one in a week. <laughs>